Steve Accorda Grail and Fortigree Sports Centre on Scarif Bay Community Radio. Good afternoon, everyone. You're welcome once again to the Sports Centre Show here on Scarif Bay Community Radio on 88.3 FM and 92.7 FM here in association with Derek Credit Union. And on today's show, it can only be one thing, looking back at that marvellous weekend in Mellow last weekend uh, for Scarif uh, Ogunlo, winning the Munster Senior Camogie title, and St. Joseph's Secondary School in Tuller reaching their first Hearty Cup final. I'm joined, as always, with, by co-presenter uh, Pat McNamara, and our special guest on today's show is well-known journalist and head of sport with the Clerico, Parik McMahon. Uh, now we're joined on the line by a uh, well-known head of sport in the Clare Echo. A man very, very good to us here. Always available to give him his time to us here on Scarif Bay Community Radio. It's Parik McMahon. Parik, you're welcome once again. Hi, lads. How hey, are you Parik. getting on? Parik, first of all, uh, a very happy new, a very happy new year to you. And, uh, you know, out here in East Clare, what a way for the new year to start. Yeah. Um, not alone were they treated the sports line returning to the airwaves, but they'd... Um, some, I'd say, in my opinion, one of the greatest ever sporting days for East Clare, which St. Joseph Tulla qualifying for first ever Hearty Cup final and Scarif O'Gunlow, which one of the most epic Munster final wins I think any Clare team has seen. The the dram and pulsating additional time period that we had, I, it, it won't be forgotten um, by Camogie followers or by anyone in East Clare that was lucky enough to be in Mellow. Yeah, and I suppose, look, we start off, we have to start off with the Camogie uh, Munster Champions uh, win for, for the second time. And, you know, as you said, it had drama. You know, it was quite a tame affair up to up to the last 10 minutes, but it really took off in the last 10 minutes. You know, it, it had it had everything. But uh, at the end of the day, um, I suppose, Parik, Scarif going to just about deserve their victory. Yeah, definitely. I think, I think they were deserving winners. And as you say, Probably a poor game for most of it, like a half time, four points piece. Scarf Gunlow should have been at least four points ahead, I think, um, at that stage. Now they were lucky they were lucky for finish that they weren't punished for not taking their goal chances. Like Weasel Burke obviously is a very good goalkeeper. Um I just thought maybe should have taken their goal chances when they had them, but they they, they luckily got away with it and their defiance and determination really, really came true at the end. Um, you know, better team over the hour, I think you know. Uh, solid. It, particularly, I was most impressed with their half back line. Like Drummond Inch in the first half couldn't win any of their puckouts. There was nothing that they could get past either Susan Vaughan, Keir Dyle, or Rachel Minogue. Um, and they didn't. They didn't vary it either. Drummond Inch to to try do maybe one or two short ones or something. They just tried to keep lumping it a bit long, and and they were getting absolute no joy off it, which was great for for Scarf Gunlow, who just kept winning the ball there and launching forward each time. And Parik, I, I saw the Drummondage Newcastle West game, right? And Quiva Burke, who arguably is one of the top goalies in the country, uh, on at least 60% of her puckouts in the semi final against Drummondage, she either went to Aoife McGrath or Neve Tracy, Tracy at wing back. Now, I presume Scarif O'Gunlow would have probably watched that and had, had nullified, didn't give her the option. You know, they were, and as also she went to the cornerback uh, some of the time as well. But not once, as you said, did she even attempt the short puckout last Saturday yeah it was it was very surprising like it's something you'd always be looking at like we all know how important puckouts are now uh, in, in the game but you know from my stats which are there's always a margin of error I had, they only won 25% of their own puckouts um, from what I could gather in the whole game um, which is which is very low statistic um, and as you said they have they have the options like Aoife McGrath to go short and players like that but yeah, just that they didn't adapt was very surprising. But um, 
that was kind of really, really telling in the first half, particularly because Susan Vaughan was most into the game in, in that stage, I thought, in the first half, rather than the second half, she wasn't as busy. But um, they were completely dominant uh, in the half-back line, Scarfer Gunlow, at that stage. And, you know, true, um, Drummond Inch couldn't get the ball in, in then to, to their attack. And when you can't do that, you're not going to score generally in Camogie from midfield or your own half-back line. Yeah, and I suppose, Paulie, you know, looking ahead, just a small bit ahead, if, if Scarfa Gunda are going to advance any further, you know, they're going to have to maybe make more hay up front. You know, I know they scored a goal and a pint near, near the end uh, from Mairead Scanlon, but they're probably going to have to up their, their, their percentage scoring of taking maybe by another 25-30%. Yeah, I, I, th- I think you'd be right, like... um. You know, they're with Mogi. Nearly the two most important things are a goalkeeper who's not letting in um, easy goals and a free taker whose conversion rate is very high. And they have what is that like? Rachel Daly has had a great year, and Ashley Corbish hugely reliable on the frees. Um, you know, got six points in in the Munster final win. Whereas you look at the Scarf Gunlo scores from play, they got one three. Um, obviously, Murray's goal was fantastic, and Alba Rogers was causing problems and the whole time. I think she got two points from play, so that. You know, as you say, you want to progress in the All Ireland semi final and go further. You you nearly think that the tally of one three from play is definitely going to have to increase. And um, but on on the plus side, by all accounts, and according to David Sullivan, if a, if a power seems to be making progress, and while she may not have sixty minutes, she's going to come in and she's going to cause problems and add electricity to the Scarfa Gunlow attack, which is which is very timely. Party one of the things notable about, about going to Mellow lately is the, the brilliant condition of the pitch considering it's mid-January I know that we've had a great spell of weather but one of the issues though I suppose that could partly explain the lack of scoring and maybe the, not the openness of the games is that the bareness of the pitch it's very hard to pick a ball on the run so most people are going to stop and roll lifting the ball and by the time it's in their hands you're going to surround them by, by players so probably the time of the year if that if that game last Sunday was probably or last Saturday was played maybe in June or July to probably be you know Two fourteen to to to, to, to one seventeen or something, you know that kind of way. So the bareness of the pitch, very little grass in it, would make it slow, difficult to pick a ball when you're at full pace, and that led to a lot of maybe bunching and 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 rocks, as as you sort of expect, I suppose. Yeah, I, I guess it was a factor. Maybe we should blame the the Tulla Herty hurlers for taking a bit more grass off it. Like, but <laughs> in their match, I know the difference between the under the the Herty Cup and the Camogie, but there was there was points from distance there. Um, yeah. But generally, it's careful going right. I mean, they just work the ball very well, and they get it to their their danger people like Maria Scanlon. And when she gets it, she's generally going to score. <clears> for, whereas maybe she didn't get into as many scoring opportunities in Mallow. Um, you know, with the ball and. But like I thought, any time Helva Rogers got the ball, she was she was causing problems, um, and they they weren't really able. Like cause it, it, I think her, just to look at her over the last four games or so, she had a fantastic battle with Sinead Hogg in the in the drawing game in Clarecastle, and then she won the battle in Broadford for the replay. And she's you know I just have been very impressed with a player who maybe was quiet enough on Sinead Hogg in that game, but she's really bounced back. Um, and you know it's obviously one of the main the main scores for Scarf Gunlow, and then you have Abby Walsh who didn't get on the score sheet at the weekend, but is is popping up with vital scores and making an invaluable contribution to the team. Another thing that's noticeable too about the game, and I suppose a general point as much as about the last last Saturday's game, Parig is, you know, players who now train so much and do so much strength and conditioning and all of that. Uh, wanted a more physical game and the rules were adjusted a couple of years ago to give us a more physical physical game and by heavens they are getting it now what's notable about Scarif is 
they seem to be coming out the worst of some of those physical exchanges. But the only thing is, they're all bouncing back up again and taking on with the game. And, you know, there's a serious build-up of strength and, 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 and resilience there, despite the fact that they're getting hit fairly hard. And that's what they're hitting hard themselves as well. But it's a feature of the modern game, isn't it? Oh, yeah, definitely. And, and you're, you're there, right? Like Saturday, the, the two, the two <coughs> dailies, Linda and Jennifer in particular, seem to be, whenever they were going down for jab lift, they seem to be getting hit. Um and they were going down now. They they won a few freeze outs for us, which which Ash thinks Julie obliged with by putting over the bear. But they yeah, the hits were were very hard. And I don't know. Do do you argue that do the players need to protect themselves a bit more, or are they getting enough protection off the referees? It's um it's a tough one. But like you're, yeah, you're on the money that the hits the hits are getting bigger. Um, but you know I, I think that's testament as well though to the scarf gun last year that yeah. um they get hit but they bounce up straight away and they're ready to go. Next ball is is the focus the whole time and and. Um, you know, playing fantastic as a team, the the collective approach that they bring to it is very impressive, and you know, it's no surprise then that they're in the position that they are. And Parik, you know, this is their second time now going to be in, in an All Ireland semi final, and the one thing they didn't do last Saturday, of course, was they didn't panic even. You know, when they gave away the goal and followed by the pint, they didn't panic. Uh, obviously, the experience of two years ago is a telling factor, also. Oh yeah, yeah, it is, but a hundred percent it is, and and like there's their experience from that but there's also a bit of hurt and you know a bit of drive that they want to go further and they know they can go further but what I think is also very important for Scarf one of this series the likes of Abby Walsh that have come into the, the new recruits will call them they're used to winning now up along at underage and you can't you can't buy that when they're used to winning whether it's one of mine or this year Whatever it is, under 16, under 14, under 12, if you're used to winning there, when you come into senior, you have the winning habit and you expect to win. Um, and I think that's, that's so you've got the mix of the hurt and the determination for the girls that have been there from 2019 and then the newer girls that have come through are used to winning and they expect to win. So it's a um, very healthy recipe um, for, for Scarf One Law. And Parry, looking ahead uh, before we just before we leave the Camogie, um, Olaf de Belloc and uh, Dixborough are playing in the Leinster final tomorrow. You know, it's going to be a formidable task, no matter who they're playing. Yeah, I, I, I de Bella have, have been very impressive from what I've seen. Um, and it would probably be a different test, I think, for Scarif O'Gunnalo in that they just seem to be, they have the hurlers, obviously, which Scarif O'Gunnalo have come up against hurlers and they've quieted them, but they just, they seem to be very physical. Um, and they have experience like the Lacey's and Ursula Jacob. Um, so that that would be a difficult one if they were to come up against them, I think. But they'd be they'd be well able for the challenge. Um, and, you know, winning in the manner that they did against Drummond Inch, you, you can't buy that type of a win. You know, like, they, as you said, they didn't panic at all when they conceded that 1-1 on the bounce. And, you know, they knew a chance was going to come. And, and by God, did Marie take it when she got it? And of course, obviously, there's one player, one one element you also have to have uh, when you're going out in any given day of park is you have to have the bit of look. And fortunately for Scarafa Gundo's side, they had that look in the end. They they did like, and and I I know from from listening to yourselves live, Jonas, I was kind of the same. I was questioning Ashlyn Corbett has gone off, and she should she why has she gone off? But like something like that could have almost been. That would have been the main talking point yeah. on the way home from Mallow to Clare if it didn't work out. But you know the girls didn't even panic. Like sometimes when when a team has <coughs> their free taker, there's there's players are looking around and they're scratching their heads and it kind of affects them. But like the, this Scarf Gunlow team, they're they're just being unfazed by any anything that gets thrown at them and um, it, it's a very impressive trait. 
Yeah, with that, and we, we, we wish them the very best of luck as they move forward. Of course, the template was set for a great day in East Clare early in the day last Saturday with, I think, one of the greatest victories ever by an East Clare side um, in the Hearty Cup semi-final. You know, underage hurling has been vilified in Clare in the last uh, number of years for where they're going. And here we have St. Joseph's Tulla going to get ready, preparing for their first Hearty final. Yeah, it's it's um it's fairy tale stuff, really um you know and, and very impressive. Like similar, they're actually similar to Scarif One in a way that they're just so defiant and determined and and hungry and they just keep on like they're 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 very enjoyable to watch sports teams like Mooney and and Ireland. Um, so anyone that was in Mallow, uh, definitely got their their money's worth and. I'd say, you know, the whole country was on a bit of a high after restrictions being eased, but I'd say anyone that in, in Mallow, you know, they, why why would you do why would you do drugs or morphine or anything if, if you had to get that much of a high from something, you know. Um and great for all the clubs involved, you know, for, for the two, you know, with the Camogie, you know, there's obviously more than Scarfer going low in terms of the girls playing on it, but like with St. Joseph's Tull as well, you've so many clubs, whether it's Crusheen, Tulla, the Mills, Fecal. Um, Broadford, Tony Broadford. Quinn as well in Broadford. You know, there's even Dora Bearfield guy on the panel as well. I think, and so it's it's yeah, it's great, and it's um, you know, and again that team similar again. Another parallel you draw is they get hit with setback after setback in the games they won. They weren't supposed to beat Dwayne Coleman's. They weren't expected to beat CBC. They weren't expected to beat DLSL, but they don't buy into the script at all. Um, and a fantastic performance from, from the whole collective. Good people involved with them, Parig. I mean, they look like a very well-drilled team and they stuck to the way they know best how to play and uh, they, weren't going to, they weren't going to vary from that and they know it'll bring them success mo- most days. So, you know, good management, good coaching and the fellas have bought into it, obviously. Oh, 100%. And, like, so, you know, their progression to Hertie Cup <coughs> final, it didn't happen overnight. Like this has been something five years in in the making and it's kind of something that I was thinking of on the way home from Mallow. Like people were talking last year that Clare GA is in dire straits, yet we had a fantastic planning team, one of the most enjoyable teams that I went to watch. Um, won last, the last 30 Cup competition and now with this Tulla team, like so many green shoots coming through that you'd be hopeful, you know, whether it's the club, the club, Standard in Clare might increase because I'd have been critical before. I think on which that the senior championship in Clare hasn't been great, but you'd also be hoping that these guys are going to burst through onto Clare under twenty panels and some more onto Clare senior panels. And you know that's all that's all we want is to see our, our clubs doing well when they get outside of Munster and you know quality games while we're watching them in the club, and then for the county team to be to be flying it. Yeah, and Park, you know. Even at last Saturday during the the, 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 during the Tullet game, you know, at different times, different players stood up. Now, not everyone was going with it at the one time, but, you know, at different times, when, when, the, when, the, when the need was greatest, players really stepped up to the mark. I did it. You know, like, I suppose if you look at it from, from the get-go, you'd be saying, Ushin Clune, he has senior experience, he'll be setting the way, but it was actually the likes of Fionn Hickey, who got two outstanding points um, from O'Callaghan's Mills, um, he yeah, has strong new market connections. I don't know that that has anything to do with it. <laughs> no, um, I was actually waiting for that. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, he actually reminds me of a young blind Donald for whatever reason. I don't know whether the helmet and the fact that he stays going. Um, but I was also very impressed with Fionn Ryan from Tullet Cornerback. Um, 
And I have said it beforehand to going down, I, I do think Adam Hogan is good enough to be on the clear senior hurling panel. Um, I really rate him highly. And obviously the, the, the lessons they learned from the first round playing against LSL, okay, they didn't take their chances. They had 14 wides, but Patty Fitzgerald had caused them problems. So like Terence Fahey, Tomas Kelly, Aidan Hart, very fortunate to be able to put someone of, a, of Adam Hogan's ability out on Fitzgerald. Um, and he completely quietened him. Um, but like, again, you go through the other aspects of the team, Sean Whittycombe, excellent free taker and one of Tullis best players at adult level in the last two two years or so. And then you'd call him Cleary, cutting through attack after attack. Very, you know, he, very, he very was, lively. He was an yeah. absolute live wire. And and the two O'Connors from Fecal were also were also very impressive. I thought she um, got on a lot of ball and, and worked it well. Yeah, and I suppose uh, Parik from the first round game too. Obviously, Whitcomb has been given the the task of taking the freeze and a job he's accomplishing quite quite effectively. Oh yes, like you know, he, he finished up with fifteen points uh, Saturday, twelve from freeze. But, you know, he was he was he was dangerous. You could see the the centre back from Munkine, Parik Murphy was was on him. It kind of reminded me at, at stages in the first half, particularly in the second quarter after Tulla had. You know, they responded to probably to concede one one inside the first three minutes, but then in the second quarter there was obviously something said at the wash break by Delisel, but um Murphy was, was very much like Lair Corbett and Tommy Walsh a few years ago in, in Crow Park. He was following him, he was ducked him, he was all over him. And like that was kind of for me that was telling in the fact that Saint Joseph had obviously rattled De La Salle that, you know, Murphy was either told to do that or he decided to do it and it showed that, that Whittycombe had won the battle. And then I thought it was important or uh, it, it played a part in the final quarter when they were able to push push Sean inside fourteen and Oshin Clune came out and I think Oshin really came into the game more and that's probably something you'd nearly suggest for the final that maybe give Oshin a bit more of a a central role, like he he'd been very impressive for Fecal senior hurlers from, from what I had saw. So I I think you know the wing back is obviously an, an important position, but I think he could be more involved in the play for the final. Yeah, and I suppose Pike looking back in the game itself, I suppose that was the, the as it turned out the match winning move really because he's really gave the impetus to Tulla and you know to be able to move a lead like Sean Whitcomb into the full forward line, he's really put uh, De La Salle on the back foot, you know as. You know, they had to follow Whittigam in and that Murphy, that Park Murphy, is very highly rated down in Kilkenny from my source tell me, you know, so, you know, they really had Belly Gunner or Belly Gunner, says I, even though the team is back, back won by Belly Gunner, but De La Salle were on, were on the back foot long before the final whistle um, last Saturday. Yeah, and like as you say, they, they seem to be worried by Whittigam, so once they saw him went full forward, they were a bit nervy like because they knew if the ball dropped chances were he was going to put it in back the net you know he was on a high he was playing well and Shiroshin Clune got the equalising point um, <coughs> followed it with a, with a, a wild enough celebration which I was impressed with but um, you know and then and then Fionn followed up with the next point like that was a huge lift and it, as you said it was the move and then he justified the move by getting that point straight away and key key to the to the win I thought as well was the crowd for both of the games it was such a factor and they weren't just there and outnumbered them but they made sure their voices were heard and, and it was something that gave the lads a huge lift and it was something that gave, gave the girls a huge lift in in their game Yeah, just as, as you point out it was something that was very noticeable uh, from listening watching the games on is that uh, the Clare crowd uh, was way more vocal even, you know, especially for Tulla when they were playing De La Salle but also going back to the Camogie game uh, you know that when Scarf were going to were playing Drummond Inch there seemed to be a lot more noise 
you know, and that can that that is uh, can help teams, Parik, very very much. Oh yeah, yeah, a hundred percent. Now I, I'm no Derek Armour when it comes to my predictions, but I was speaking <laughs> to the lads on Saturday Chronicle, and I said if the hurlers won, the Camogies would win just purely from the basis that the crowd would be on a high and they would really drive the Camogie team on because you can't. Like we've seen it, we saw it in Cusick Park, the 8,000. It's just great to have that bit of atmosphere and a buzz. And, um, you know, credit credit to the supporters um, Saturday because they, they mightn't have pucked a ball, but they pucked every single ball with the players of both teams. Just brief look forward, I suppose, uh, Parik. The uh, Oscar Rich will be a serious, a serious opponent for Tulla. And Oscar Rich have uh, quite a few clear lads, as is the habit they have in the last seven or eight years. Plenty of clear young lads there as well. So, either way, we'll be seeing a lot of good young clear horrors in the Hearty Cup final, which is wonderful. Yeah, no, it's um, it's fantastic. And, um, you know, they're getting <coughs> any of the clear horrors going into Oscar Rich are getting fantastic training, which is, again, very positive for, for clear hurling. Um, so you, you, I think the thing that might stand to Tullis' favour, though, is um, Arsenal Reese had no had no test in their semi-final win against Turles. Um There was a fella in front of us in Mallow, and he turned around, and it was three-five to no score uh, by the first quarter, and that that was game over. Um, you know, so the Arsenal Reese have been very dominant. You know, that's that's been the feedback from anyone that's played them in challenge matches or in the Hearty Cup. But um, yes, they're going to want to meet the spirit of St. Joseph's would be a different test um, and like the just the fearless nature that's with that Tulla team they won't they won't be too phased that Arts Gullerys have conquered everyone that's gone before them um, and I think the, if we are to reflect on it that semi-final and the different type of test they've had will, will help will help Tulla but um, they do have <coughs> a big, big tough test in, in, in taking down Arts Gullerys yeah, and just right, looking at looking at both lineups and where our school reach are strong in the especially in their forward lines, the Tulla have very good defenders. So the matchups are going to be very very important in this one, Parik. Yeah, and and uh, I think from from what I had gathered now, I, I presume they, they saw they saw the stream, which the, the Tulla management hadn't seen anything of our school prior to the weekend. Like obviously their focus was on. Um, you know, getting over De La Salle, but I, I only had saw a few clips and I must say I was very impressed with the Shane O'Brien from Kilmallock. Yeah. Um, he seemed to be a fantastic stick man. Mm, um, you know, he got, he got one <coughs> point and there, I'm not sure which half it was in and it kind of gave me post-traumatic stress disorder of that DJ <laughs> Carey point against Ollie Baker. It's, un, it's unreal, yeah. Um, yeah. He, you know, but he, he, he's a fantastic yoke and that there's there's a lot of fires that need to be put out in the in the Arsenal Reese attack, but um, you know, Tony Layden in the last day probably didn't the, the role he had. He wasn't in the game as much through no fault of his own. So it's going to be a great opportunity, likes of him, for for Mikey McMahon and um, the two Ryan's cornerback. So they, big test for them. Uh, Derek Ryan obviously got the all important goal against CBC Park. He's one of the best in the final. So um, but like I. I the players will surely, you know, embrace that challenge of, of getting to, to to go up against them. And obviously, I know there's a few six mile bridge forward, so there's there's nothing more East Clare defenders like than quieting their friends in the bridge. <laughs> there's no doubt we look for, we look forward to a uh, hearty cup final with relish. Parik, turning to last Sunday's game, uh, the Munster uh, Co-op uh, senior final between Clare and Limerick. Uh, Clare went in with a, a lot of, a lot of hope. You know, going into the match against Limerick, Limerick maybe clear not at full strength, but Limerick definitely uh, in the experimental mode. <coughs> didn't turn quite, didn't turn out quite the way it was planned. No, um, yeah, the way it was planned, 
first of three meetings between the teams in Cusick Park to come this year. So I don't think we'll reference the the January meeting too much. Hopefully we'll be whether we are going to be able to overturn it, it's hard to know. Like Limerick just seem to be a level above everyone else. Um and even their less established players that came in, Colin Coughlin had a fantastic game at William Back, two points from play. Um yeah, but one thing I did notice in Limerick, they just didn't seem to want to go for goals. I wondered that, like, they didn't. It didn't seem to be too much of their plan last year either. But I thought they could have cut open the clear defence a lot more um, on Sunday in the park. Um, and the the big positive for me, and it's not just because I'm talking to an East Clare radio station, was I thought Mark Rogers really tested Dan Morrissey. That was the only the main positive that came out. Of, of Sunday's game for me like he, he won the battle in my opinion and um, you know when, when we have a young up and coming player with potential like Marquez that's winning the battle against an odd star defender like Dan Morrissey who, who is a serious operator I think that was the that was the, the main positive that I took out of Cusick Park and Parik, looking at the rest of the the Clare lineout, you know, again, and in fairness to <coughs> Brian and, and a team we're in experiment, experimental mode also did um Anyone else uh, strike you that maybe God we might these that might have a role to play because with the with the championship when it comes up he's going to be ticking fest and it's probably going to be one although obviously Limerick are probably that would be the head of everyone at the moment but you're going to need a very strong panel going into these championship games. Yeah, no, definitely with the the way the round robin has gone, it's it's nearly going to be the teams with the strongest panel that come out. Um, I suppose from the two games, I'd have been happy enough with the. Jack Brown and Paddy Donnell in the midfield. I possibly thought it was harsh enough to take off Paddy Donnell. And I thought he got through a lot of work, made a lot of turnovers. Um, but it was nearly a case of, I think, for from the two games, there was a lot of players that probably would have wrote themselves out of contention. Um, you know, from that side of it, um, Mark Rogers did very well, I think. Didn't get enough game time last year's championship, but I'd say certainly he had put his hand up for for contention, slight disappointment, <coughs> obviously that injury would have ruled Nolan out of it. Um, I would like to see him get his opportunity. I was slagging with him before the intermediate final that at any time I'm talking to, to Leo and Pat, we will unofficial keep Nolan fence up <laughs> because we're we're always praising him. But um, I'd love to see him get a chance. And we do have left playing the Fitzgibbon Cup. Mike Goff did okay in patches. Daryl Lohan did okay when he came in. The second day wouldn't have been as happy, I'd imagine, the first day. Looked, um, looked okay last Sunday, though, Parik, in fairness. Did very well on Sunday. He settled it. Um, probably more comfortable at wing-back. Um, and seems to be an option there. He did better than, than, than Aaron Fitzgerald, I think it's fair to say. But, like, I suppose they, they think some people would have been very down after Sunday, but then you, you take a step back and you look and we would have maybe been saying, oh, Claire are strong, but there's a lot of Claire lads to come back into it when you do go through it. You've, and, you've yeah. got Hugh Galvins, you've, you've Tony Kelly, you've John Conlon, Peter Brooke and Sam O'Donnell. So it puts a totally different strength to you've Rory Hayes as well who missed. But the one the one concern then once you kind of map that out is we probably don't have as many defenders to come back into it. And um, I think, I don't know, is Conor Cleary the answer at fullback? Um I think he could maybe do with going to East Clare to learn how to do the dark arts properly. Not <laughs> much subtlety um, in some of the freezes he's given away, and he probably has a bit tougher in the half back line. 
Park, I was going to ask you that question. Would it be as well have to bite the bullet now and put Cleary back out to where he has played his best hurling for the county? You know, arguably he was in in the top echelons of the centre backs. You know, he was very good to hold the position, and you know, we we seem to be quite open. Uh, you know, since he's left the half back line, really. Yeah, I, 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 I'd be inclined to to agree with that. I prefer to see him in the half back line. Um, but I just look and then he's a great fella, very nice guy, most obliging. But just looking at performance, he seemed to allow the full forward to get the ball. And once he wasn't going to take him on, he was happy. But he's happy to concede the point, which um, I don't know. I just wouldn't necessarily agree with that style of play. So I would prefer to see him in the half back line offering something. Um, I think he would. Because I don't look. John Conlon has so much to offer at fourteen, and I never agreed with him playing at centre back last year. So you know, he'd be a handful for anyone. So I think possibly putting Connor out to the half back line is the way to go. But then you you hopefully fingers crossed Patrick O'Connor's recovery continues, and that he'd be maybe at a level to be considered for for full back. But you just have another problem um, then when you move Connor. But I do agree that the move should be made. Paul, it's a bit disappointing, I suppose, over the last two years, between the last couple of managements or three, maybe their hands were tied with injuries and maybe what was coming through in the clubs, but we haven't nailed down a three and a six that we know are at home in their positions. And uh, <clears throat> it's one of the things, I suppose, if you're building a team, you'd nearly start there. Your goalkeeper, your full-back, centre-back, and maybe a centre-forward, and the spine of the team. That's a worry, isn't it? And the other thing, maybe, in addition to that, is the players you mentioned to come back, I suppose there's still some serious doubts about a few of those getting back to form. Like we'll say, Aidan McCarthy probably won't make the championship. Uh, Peter Duggan and question marks about Peter Duggan and John Collin being, being where they should be. So I suppose there's an awful lot of question marks still about this player squad, even though there are green shoots as well. Yeah, yeah, no, I think I think you're you're on the money with that analysis. Um, but we do have the national league. We are kind of have to decide: do we? Is it, are we going to totally go into results on National League or do we want to use the National League to get a very good test and actually decide, OK, let's try one player in this position and get him to, to nail it down? Because um, I, I do think yeah, three and six are, are very important and we could we would be cut open if we don't have them sorted right. Um, and But like another thing then I was thinking about, um, seeing the likes of Patrick Crashy, Robin Mounsey come in, um, and obviously Brian is in year three out of a five-year tenure. I was just contemplating. I haven't. I don't have the answer. But like, I hope there's hope for lads that aren't in the panel at the minute. That you know, and fair play to him, he's going to develop Mounsey. That Robin Mounsey might feature this year, but maybe with a view to next year. But like, there's a lot of talented hurlers outside of the panel at the minute. Connor Hager in particular, I thought was the best hurler. In yeah, the I was going. I was going to ask year. you. I was going to ask you, Parik, about that. You know that. You know, it's, uh, he's one man that comes particularly to mind. I, I thought he would have been an automatic on, on the panel. But is there anyone else in your mind, you know, there must be four or five outside, maybe... King Galvin has to go back to You know, yeah. I know King Galvin's back. There's, there's a, a, a Gilfile from your own club. I, I was surprised he wasn't um, called in. I can't think he was first in the wing for Owen, is it? I was kind of surprised yeah. he wasn't called in. Is there anyone else that would come to mind with you, Parik, that may get a shout? Well, I uh, I suppose from looking at the the, the, the the championship last year, I thought, as we read there, Conor Hagerty was the best player from what I saw. And then a guy, and I agree with you, every time you speak from very highly, is Dermot Cahill. I think he's a guy, it, 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 that's just purely on the basis of if Brian is bringing lads in with a view to them being ready in maybe the fourth year, the fifth year, tenure, maybe they won't be ready this year, but possibly bring them in, get the S&C done. Um, and I suppose Owen Gilfile did have a very good year uh, for Newmarket as they did in a crimin, um, 
you know, and you'd be looking at those guys. To prolong them, um, sure. Then, like I suppose, the the frustrating thing as well is arguably one of the most consistent players in the clear club championship over the last, what you'd say, four or five years has been Heathfield Shane McGrath. You know, um, if he was getting in, I think he'd offer something potentially. But um, it, it it's trying to get a, get a mix there, like because Dion McConnor and, and Shane, they all have kind of one thing in common: is their you know their their height probably isn't there, and, <clears> and Brian seems to be going for guys with height. You know, Patrick Pashi is one of the guys that's come in. Donald McMahon seems yeah. to be favoured as well. Um, but apart from that, in fairness, it is, it is positive to see uh, Brian's management. They did pick lads that played well in the championship and they went to the intermediate championship. Like Robin Mount, True. he got 2-2 from, yeah. from playing in one of those games and he had a very good year and got rewarded for it. Whereas sometimes we tend to, or previous managements tend to go on Oh, he never played on a development panel or he was a sub for the clear 20s or the 21s and, and he doesn't get a look in whereas Venus to Brian they did go and look but that was just one thing I was contemplating is is it kind of locked in now because I'd hope to see Conor Hagerty in a clear jersey I think he's good enough and I think Jeremy Cahill will be as well so I just hope they it's not a closed door for year four and five for some of those guys and, and obviously Owen and Aina from the market as well might be might be worth looking at yeah, and you made a very important point there a moment ago, Park, as regarding the National League campaign, right? And it is a decision they're going to have to make, you know, uh, is it results business? Or, you know, we ha- we're going to have to try and find players for the championship and maybe throw in one or two each game, as you said, give them a chance to nail down a position. You know, they just can't throw in a fella and if he doesn't work the first day, then forget about him. You know, they'll have to get time, won't they? They will, they will, and and that's that's the decision that Brian and his management are going to make. Like, but I think the answer is like when we look back and the club championship starting in in August, if Clare haven't got out of Munster but they had a good league, I think people aren't going to look at it as a positive year. So I think like the the twenty sixteen league was won, but Clare exited at the quarterfinals and you know wasn't considered the greatest year, even though it was the first national league since the seventies, but. I, I would think that like try less like as you said Billy, you pointed out Darlow probably not great the first year but had a good solid impact when he came in at wing back you know so give give the lads the second chance um, and try less out because we do need to we do need to nail down um, particularly in defence I think you you would say Paul Flanagan and Rory Hayes seem to be two probably that would it, yeah. probably slot in um, if Keen Nolan recovered from I think it's a finger injury you'd hope he'd He'd, he'd get a fair shot at it. Um, I think Aaron like Fitz is another chance two or two because he was unlucky the last day he was on Higarty and he was given puck outs maybe that he probably didn't want to get a couple of times but uh, he didn't maybe use the ball that well but a fella based on his club form and football form as well and athleticism probably deserves another chance or two Parik. Oh yeah yeah, definitely definitely deserves another chance but he, he has to definitely take it. Um, because yeah, I would have, I would have thought, I thought he probably would have been disappointed himself, even with his own performance the last day. Um, you know, and a rogue man said it to me. He felt he was getting hit with the puckouts, but he didn't have an option. But my response was, in general, I thought, I thought we were shown very poorly for the ball. Um, from yeah. from one to 50, from yeah. two to fifteen, obviously, whenever Aver was hitting it, but um, you know. We, we don't seem to have honed in properly on our puckouts as well, which is another thing to work on. But look, it's great to be great to be in January, which we plenty to work on. And you know that's the good thing about playing the likes of the Limerick is when they are so far ahead of everyone else, you just see little markers that you have to to work on to try catch up. 
Yeah, and I suppose Park, we'll get it. We'll get an insight into how Brian is thinking uh, the next day when they go to Parky Creeve to play Cork. You know, if he decides to pick Conor Cleary at full back down in Cork, then we could probably safely say that he's going to leave him there until the, for the championship. You know, so we may we may get an insight into the team that first fifteen that they do pick going to Parky Creeve. I th- yeah, I think I, I think so. Um, but I I I think was it Donald and Jerry was it in twenty seventeen or twenty eighteen they. Had nearly done the opposite. They had, I think with Connor they had full back, and then they changed it nearly in the last game of the league um, for championship, or else it was vice versa. But um, David Fleece is another one that has to come into defence, um, and and you know has to recover from his injury, and hopefully can bring the Juan Jordan yeah. in, in club to, to, to the county because he'd offer a different threat that maybe similar to the Limerick lads in, in that Kyle Hayes and you know Burns going forward and scoring, and um, you know. Yeah, I know there'd probably be an opportunity or an occasion where he's hit one or two of them wide, but like we know when David Switch gets the ball, he can score. So I think mm. if he was coming to the, the half back line, that'd be another big addition as well. Um, but look, and in fairness, again, to compliment the management, they, they're playing lads based on club form, like Jack Brown has been trialed out in midfield, haven't had a great year with Ballier. Um, and Jack would have been a fellow whose confidence would have been low, having gotten little game time for the county last year so um, yeah it's interesting to see, to see what they are trying and as you say Leo we will get a, a further insight um, in, in Parky Creeve but I, I, if I was to, put, to guess it at this stage I'd say we're, I don't think they'll say in kind of theory at full back yeah. um, but who would put it to the next question yeah we look forward to the National League with Relish and we look forward to the whole year with Relish finally uh, Parik also last Sunday I, you, you, you may have seen it uh, um, games afterwards but uh, it's the Belly Hale and the Belly Gunner for that Ireland club final and once again the Kilkenny team used up their nine lives yeah but, uh, any Kilkenny team that is um, fortunate enough to have TJ Reid on the pitch for them and blessed you know um, like we've got Hurler and we're very fortunate to be able to be watching them um, playing at the minute. You know, great earlier, whether it's in the, all the skills he has, and whether it's putting the ball the year, putting it left in right, you know, he's fantastic. But um, Belly Gunner just seemed to be collectively maybe they had something else. You know, they, they, they gave Belly a, a lesson, I guess, in Hughes Park, but they've kind of kept that tenacity and that hunger like any time Belly A tried to hit the get a short puck out that day I just remember it they were being swarmed and they just kept that swarm in nature coming through like fair play to Belly they're getting the absolute best out of um, what they have at the minute they, you know the club had been um, unlucky in Munster club you know had a record of not winning finals but they're they're making up for it now and um, you know they will be very difficult to stop I think but as I say any, any team that has TJ Reid always has more than a chance yeah, there's no doubt about that. Parik, uh, the time has got up with us. Uh, as always, thanks very much for taking the time to us and giving your insight into the early season forum and, and reviewing our finals. And we look forward to hearing more of you as, this, as the season progresses here on Scarab Pay Queen's Radio. Parik McMahon, Gurumil Mahagut. Thanks, Ed. Thanks, You're listening to Sportsline on Scarab Pay Community Radio, 88.3 and 92.7 in East Clare. Around the world on ScarifBayRadio.com and on the TuneIn Radio app, Sportsline is sponsored by Derek Credit Union. Pat, now we, we, we go back to you, Pat. Pat, rug, the rugby is beginning to hit uh, 
the real business end of this European Cup. I know they'll be taking a break uh, due for the, the upcoming uh, Six Nations Internationals. But um, looking at the team that we have most interest in in Munster and what a turn up in the performance. There's a lot of stick maybe four or five weeks ago about the way they were playing, uh, the management, the upheaval of the management with Johan van Gren deciding he's moving to bet in England, mm. uh, Stephen Lafcombe, yeah. the Becks coach going back to going back to <coughs> Aussie land and Graham Rowntree willing to stay around and, you know, names being bended about for uh, the future head coach and all that. And then once they go along and start to play some great rugby. Yeah, uh, we were, definitely were given out there uh, weeks ago, as you said, and uh, the approach seemed to be beef bamboo up the middle and kick uh, box kick away and uh, no sort of a plan at all for attack uh, behind the scrum and uh, gradually in recent weeks that has all changed and uh, in fairness you know they're playing a fairly attractive rugby and it's winning rugby as well and I think I'm just wondering is it because Van Gran has decided well he's up in sticks he might as well give them their freedom to play uh, is, you know is, is all the tension gone or is it a part of a big plan that he always had to you know, uh, you know, get the get the forwards right first of all, and the halfbacks right, and then and then start playing what they call an expensive game. But look, it's working well anyway, and uh, great to see some young players breaking through as well, Leo. And uh, it's always great to see Munster hitting for the the the, the, the the business end of the European Cup. But um, yeah, there's a bit of uncertainty there still, I suppose, in terms of of, of who's going to be coming in. But uh, Larkin is gone, as a Ben Grand hitting for Beth, so uh, all change. But uh, great to see that there's a. A bit of all pride in the pride in the way they're playing again, and a bit of excitement in the crowd, and uh, Thorne and Park getting full up again with the with the restrictions lifted now as well. So maybe we're heading back, uh, maybe a bit closer to the glory days, even though uh, that's been threatened once or twice before, but has hasn't happened. But maybe maybe there's a, enough of a basis there of a, of a of youth coming in to freshen things up and make a bid for a for a trophy. Yeah, and a, you know, forty one points against Wasps is no mean feat either, Pet. You know, only <coughs> concede seven, so. It's a big turnaround from the the night they played up at the sports ground in 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 Galway when when they were beaten by Connacht. Uh, but that, that 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 the sports ground is 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 a welcome to a nice soft night. And it used to it used to be at home in Park years ago for for fancy for fancy soft teams from from further away. Now it's 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 a uh, sports, sports ground in Galway. Welcome to a, a lovely soft night there in Deirdre Galway Bay. And uh, anyone that comes there will earn their win or earn 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 to even lose narrowly. But uh, Connacht a great spirit up there. But uh, you're right. Um, you know, look at the players. Obviously, the the academy players. Uh, a few of them making breakthroughs there it's it's very good to see and uh, you know I suppose Craig Casey's getting his chance there at out half as well out of scrum half I should say uh, the, the, the fastest little little thing on two, with two hands you think uh, whether he's the answer to down the line to um, replace Conor Murray at both Munster and national level it looks like he's been he's been seen that way anyway hopefully but um, um, you know Great to see Zebo back on the scene as well. Uh, I think he did the record for tries as well, didn't he, the last day? So uh, he's a very, very great skill and a crowd pleaser as well. So all that kind of adds to positivity. I think there's, if there's positivity in the camp and amongst the supporters, Leo, that figure, that filters through to the way they play their game as well. And uh, it looks fairly positive for the moment anyway. Uh, there's going to be some really good games after the, the international break is over. There's going to be some great games to look forward to indeed. And one of the big games to look forward to is Connacht Linster going to meet in a, in a knockout game, you know. And Connacht were very disappointed a number of weeks ago when the last that came at the very, very end. And then, as the results transpired, they had a 28 nil win the following week, however, when, due to the COVID, yeah. you know. So they were back in. Unfortunately, they lost to Stead last weekend, but ordinarily, you know. But 
you know they're in the knockout stages for the first time Connor playing super rugby for most, ga- for most of the game there's just this little mental thing where they're letting teams back in maybe in the last 10 or 15 minutes of games that has happened 3 or 4 times this year I mean they have done enough early on they're, they're playing outstanding it's kind of forwards backs mixing it all up anyway everyone wants to handle the ball and they're you know making, making great ground and they're exciting to watch uh, but I suppose maybe the difference with, with, with Connacht is in that last quarter when other teams are bringing in internationals from the bench maybe Connacht don't have that strength and depth and that's why maybe they're struggling towards the end of games but um, it's something the IRFU, IRFU are going to have to look at Pat you know that is. there is players not, 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 get, not getting game times in other provinces mm-hmm. that you know could, could come in there and do quite a good job no question about it um, you know Connacht have, have lost a lot of players to promising players they are seem to be moving on to other places and then they're not getting enough of the of the you know, I won't say of the the extras from Leinster and other places maybe they should be getting a lot more and maybe there are a few of us but should be taking a development view of it and, and uh, maybe treating all the provinces you know as nearly spreading out the talent as evenly as possible but look um, it's going to be difficult for a, a team that has maybe can hold you know, have seven or eight thousand maximum watch them in any given game and maybe less sponsorship because of that playing against a team like Leinster who have Massive, you know, money behind them and the school system as well. But Leinster, look at, <clears throat> I'd say they're warm favourites for this European Cup as it is. Uh, as a few people said there before, Leinster probably were the only club team that you could say beat the All Blacks there a number of a couple of months ago back in November in the in the, in, the, in that series. Uh, I think it was the twelve Leinster so plus three and three more. Yeah. So I mean, but look at they have a fantastic squad. There's no question about it. I mean, they have they have six internationals in the back row alone. You know, they can only pick three of them. And um, when they're all fit, so um, Johnny Sexton makes the return again at 37, and I mean he just directs the the show. I mean, in fairness, he's being managed brilliantly because he seems to be fresh now again, and uh, given plenty of time to build up his energies. And the one thing we wonder about can he can he stay fit during the Six Nations first of all, and then the heavy hit, hitting closing stages of the of the cup as well. Uh, from the point of view of the World Cup so that's a big maybe a long term question but Leinster to my mind won't be beaten in, in this championship in the, the club championship I can't see how they'll be beaten because you know even if any of you are struggling on the field they can bring in top 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 players to replace them and also I think they were fairly uh, maddened by that 28-0 boardroom decision against Montpellier for not feeling due to COVID I think that's only stirred the harmlessness and they came back really determined I wanted to score 81 81 points day, so. I know Montpellier said <coughs> probably their second shadow team, team yeah. and you'd, you know, you'd wonder about the Pet, you'd wonder about the state of the European competition you know even with the COVID but mm. with the attitude of some of the clubs like throwing like lads like that over like Lems as a starter doesn't really do very much for the tournament no you'd have to wonder about that is right I mean I know the French League is massive to them and I know the English League is extremely strong uh, the Guinness Premier League, but um, you know, if 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 the main European competition, which is probably second only to the Southern Hemisphere club competition, if it is second to it, maybe they're nearly equal in terms of importance for club rugby. It's a shame that there isn't the same um, emphasis put on it, maybe by the French teams and, and maybe one or two of the English teams as well. But you know, I don't know you saw that, but I mean, um, it's it's a massive publicity thing, and there's massive sponsors involved if you can win it. So you, you'd imagine the French teams would be made to put out their best, and and you know they have the strength, they have a huge amount of of uh, Pacific Ocean players and all that Southern Hemisphere guys with them, and you know they can have, and lots of money there as well. But um, certainly from the Irish point of view, and all the four Irish provinces just want to do well in it. It's their main, 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 main event, and uh, the record is fairly good, and to be lovely to see an Irish team winning it again after a bit of a break, a little short break. So. Um, 
uh, if you can't be Munster to win their third one is this 2008 or 9 whatever the one the last one uh, I suppose Leinster will definitely be the ones you'd be looking to Ulster going fairly well as well um, a team you know they've strengthened themselves up a few a few uh, winning cap- guys brought in there to that squad as well from the Southern Hemisphere and uh, uh, fairly well managed and you know always hard to beat uh, they need to take a step forward as well and uh, as that if any of the other teams aren't, aren't maybe taken it seriously, maybe Ulster could sneak into a semi-final stage as well. So and yeah, it'll be all good for the, for, the Irish, for the Irish scene anyway. And anything is possible after that. Yeah. And Pat, we look forward now quick to a quick word on the international, the Six Nations coming up. You know, Ireland, <coughs> with the, if you were to go by their provinces, looking fine fettle as they move in, you know, based on their good good uh, autumn series for them as well. 100%. I suppose a lot of it, would be based on there's a few I think there's still a few key players you wouldn't want missing through injury we still need Sexton it looks like obviously uh, Joey Carberry if he was fully fit looks like he may be capable of, of being probably the clear number two but he's not staying fit either a lot of the time so Johnny Sexton is vital I think there's a couple of other players vital to, from the Irish point of view I think the likes of Caelan Doris is a good, is, would be a man who would be a star in, in this uh, Six Nations I just love the way he plays rugby and he's he has everything uh, that is a number eight should have um, I think the likes of uh, Henshaw as well is absolutely vital I think now Keenan as well at full back has made that his own and another guy same with Furlong and Porter those two tighted and loose and, and Kelleher probably a and yeah you know all those guys while they can be replaced at club level maybe at Irish level I think we can't afford to lose maybe no more than one or two of those but like out half is pivotal so if Johnny Sexton wasn't wasn't available and if Carberry isn't fully fit we're beginning to Jack Harty's on the squad and I'm delighted to see that uh, whether he's ever considered as as, as, a, as, a, as a realistic replacement or a, a, you know at the start at any stage I don't know but I, I, I like to be interested if we'd be great interested to see, to see yeah. the him, yeah. but um, Ireland must have a real chance however after being delighted that we beat New Zealand in the autumn series then France turned them over as well I think France are the most dangerous team in it this year tremendous ability in that team they're now playing a bit like French rugby always with abandon brilliant hands brilliant flair. running British flair yeah so lot to look forward to and again I suppose you'll always have Wales competitive and Scotland have improved and of course England will try to show people around as well so look at a lot to look forward to and, and Eddie is still there so and there's, there's plenty of there's always, a, always a good motivation to beat him with Eddie still with his big mouth there yeah well, Pat, and thank you very much for that. And that concludes <coughs> our sports and show here today on Scarif Bay Community Radio in association with our Credit Union on 88.3 FM and 92.7 FM. My thanks, as always, to co-presenter uh, Pat McNamara. Thanks to our special guest, uh, Parik McMahon, who uh, was very good to talk to us. And thanks also to the men's contractor, Jim Cullen. Thanks very much to all of you for listening in here to Sports Time today here on Scarif Bay Community Radio. And all that remains is for me, Leo Dial, to say Bannock Day, August 1st.